Caution. Learning in progress. Welcome back to Smarter Every Season. Thanks, guys, for coming back again. Today, um, I am Hans Stutzman. I am going to be the host today. We are talking Yield Sense today. Um, just before we get started, I do want to remind you, um, we encourage you to subscribe to your podcast wherever you find your podcasts, um, Smarter Every Season, um, iTunes, um, Stitcher, um, Overcast, wherever you think you might find it, um, we encourage you to subscribe to it. We also encourage you to interact with us. Um, Smarter Every Season at PrecisionPlaying.com is an email that will interact with the four of us that are doing the podcast routinely, um, and then also jump in and, and uh, contact us. We're always on at Product Support. Any of our colleagues are available as well, as, as well there. So please jump in and give us a, you know, interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. With me today, I have Tyler Hubert and Paul Harms, and our guest today is Will Frank. Will Frank is... Um, the project manager for YieldSense and CedarForce. And Will's come along today just to kind of talk through some of the history of YieldSense, kind of where we're going with YieldSense, um, what we've done with it in the past, and kind of the yield monitor market as a whole. So, Will, welcome to uh, Smarter Every Season. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Hans, can I jump in real quick? Because yes. I'm going to see if I can try and help everybody kind of place Will. Because I know that... Obviously, this is a podcast, right? So they're just listening to us. Which is a um, good thing because my face does not work on, <laughs> on front of screens. <laughs> that makes two of us. Um, okay. If you're trying to picture Will or why that name sounds familiar or if you've seen Will before, um, Will is 6'3". Yep. Yeah. Okay. You nailed it. Tall, okay. Perfect. <laughs> Tall, slender guy. You have presented at Winter Conference before. Yep. So if anybody yep. has been in for Winter Conference, um, light kind of blondish brown hair. And you, you usually have a goatee, but it's it's very thin. It's a very faint goatee. That's, that is true. Okay. Keep it pretty thin. And um, you have presented with, specifically, Doug Wiegand most recently at Winter Conference, I believe. Yes. Yes. Okay. I guess at Winter Conference of 2020, uh, okay. Doug and I did uh, Delta Force and, and Furrow Force uh, discussions together. Yep. Okay. So hopefully that helps everybody kind of place and picture. With a face with the voice. That exactly. Goes with it. Exactly. Yes. yes. So... Well, getting into our, our discussion a little bit, um, talking about yield, precision planning as a whole, we, I believe we launched into YieldSense somewhere around 2011, 2010 timeframe. Um, but this was a big change for precision planning because we were a planning company exclusively at that point. And we launched into kind of going into the yield, yield market, um, YieldSense or yield monitor market. Give us a little bit of the background of why we, we made that change. Yeah, so YieldSense... Uh, we launched that as a product in 2013, but yeah, the development of that, you know, obviously started b- before that. Um, but uh, let's back up even farther. So ag leader, they introduced the first yield monitor to the market in 1992. Um, and for, for really 20 years, um, that system really hadn't changed. It was basically the same hardware, um, same software, uh, and, um, but if you think about where precision planning was at 20 years later in the, in the you know, early 2010 timeframe, um, the 2020 monitor had been out for a few years, right? We established ourselves as a planning monitor at that point. Correct. And, and we were providing new metrics, new information to growers in the cab in real time, right? So that they could stop and uh, identify planner problems and fix them right then. Right then. Um, so our monitor was easy to use and, and valuable information. 
And then they jump back in the combine, and they have this kind of archaic uh, monitor that's difficult to use, right? So right. so that is, was super frustrating for growers, right? And so we started to hear right away, like, you guys have this great monitor for planters. We, we need something similar for the combine. Okay. Yep. And so from, from that, then, we started looking at what could we do to try and build on on not just – do another copy of it, but let's improve on that, on that system of, of yield monitoring kind of the same way we approach to it with the planner as well. Right. Right. So some of the, the challenges or the struggles that an ag leader monitor had then, and really what they still have today is really calibration. Okay. Um, so there's, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can do a single point calibration, uh, which is, um, you know, a, a single crop flow. So a, a single, uh, maybe ground speed at a certain um, yielding corn. corn. That, uh, but as soon as you get away from that flow rate, you're no longer accurate, right? right. So you can get good accurate results with an ag leader style system. You just need to do a multi-point calibration. So that means taking the time to change your ground speed and harvest, you know, 10,000 pounds um, at, at four or five different speeds. And that takes quite a bit of time that's that's, that's a painful process it, from it's experience an, that's a painful process it is i mean it, it takes a couple hours to do and harvest time is all about logistics right you've got trucks lined up you've got grain carts and so you know taking taking the time to calibrate uh for this one hybrid at this one moisture for a couple hours and then only needing you know four hours later you're into a different hybrid and needing to recalibrate again that was a big pain so that that is really kind of the, the weakness in the market that we saw and really the frustrations that growers had of why they, you know, didn't trust their yield monitor uh, accuracy and they weren't doing anything with that data. Okay. So, go, so back. go ahead, Paul. So go back. Uh, we started talking about yield sense pretty significantly in advance before it actually became a live product. Yep. I mean, it was a couple winter conferences yeah, where we were talking sure. about it, and, and we, we had a, a single approach, and then midway through the process, before the product even launched, we 180 a different direction. Can you, when did you come on board? I, I, my memory's not that great. Yeah, so I joined Precision Planning. It was the fall of 2011. Uh, and so for, for a couple springs, I was really involved in the, in the, the development of our SRM architecture and, and V-Drive, Delta Force, and Speed Tube at the time. So I, I transitioned to YieldSense um, in, in the, it was the spring of 2013 in that May time frame, right after, right after we got done with planting, essentially. Um, and we were, we were getting ready to launch uh, YieldSense for, for uh, the first year. Uh, but yeah, before then, um, you know, initially, the initial concept of YieldSense definitely looked different. Um, so we were... We were trying to use um, strain gauges. I mean, we were familiar with strain gauges from from our gauge wheel sensors on a planter, right? right. So we we tried to use strain gauges to to measure the amount of grain that was coming into the hopper, um, and just the the signal to noise ratio, if you will, was just not correct. Um, we were getting so much vibration from the combine, et cetera, that we could not measure um, the amount of grain coming in very ac- very accurately and very responsibly. And so we tried to work on that for a couple of years, really, until we pivoted um, to, a, to a, uh, a flow sensor like we have today. So what was the aha moment there? 
So, I mean, really it was when we started to think about, okay, we, we can't just use strain gauges to, to measure, um, you know, the weight that's, that's coming into the hopper, the amount of grain, what else can we do? So we looked at ag leader system. Um, they have an impact plate, but it's pretty far ahead of where, um, pretty, pretty far towards the bubble auger, I would say, um, and a pretty good distance away from the, the, uh, elevator paddles and, um, the downside, well, maybe the, the positive to that is it's very universal. They can install that in lots of different combines very easily. The downside is it's pretty far away from the paddles, um, and so you don't always have the strongest signal. Explain that a little bit. So for the, for the dunce cap over here, yep. why is being farther away a problem? Yeah, so um, I think we have some pretty good yield sense videos that re- can really, uh, you know, visually show this. But but think of, um, you know, as the grain is being released from the paddle, it, it's being thrown, right? And it starts to spread out pretty quickly. And the more that product spreads out, you know, the the further or the further away your your measurement device is from that, the less grain is going to hit that that device. And so ag leader sensor being, you know, a couple feet away um, from the, the tip of the paddle, that grain can really fan out. And so you, you, you have a small percentage of that grain flow that's actually impacting the, the plate. And so that was a big struggle for low flow crops. Like, like wheat, it really starts to struggle, but you get into something um, like, a, like grass seed or a canola. I mean, an ag leader sensor just cannot measure that at all. Because it's spreading out so much. It's spreading out so much that you're you're hitting it, you know, with a couple canola seeds, let's say, and it just it's not sensitive enough to pick that up. And so the the big moment for us was we recognized that and we said, what would be a better position for the flow sensor? And right above, um, right at the top of the elevator head was was where we decided to place it, and that's when things really started to fall into place for us because we had a, a much more concentrated signal. Um, and, um, we were able then to design our own chain and paddle assembly that really directed the grain, uh, across our, our flow sensor. Um, so that, that was the big aha moment, I would say. So you talked a little bit about the location of the flow sensor Mm -hmm. and you just hit on, um, making our own chain and paddle assembly. For anybody who's unfamiliar, what are some of the other unique parts of yield sense, um, that kind of lent? went along with that, that kind of new design. Yep. Yep. So I guess if I think about all the components, the, the flow sensors, number one, we talked about the location of that. Um, number two is the, is the chain and paddle assembly. Um, we went through 37 different paddle designs, um, before we landed on the, the one that we, you know, came to market with and, and, those all had different shapes to try to direct the, the grain flow in different uh, in different ways, but um, the one we landed on provided us with the, the highest level of signal. Um, other components to the chain, then, um, one of them is a is called the grain property bucket or the grain property kit, and um, so what that does is really um, measures the the grain properties. Um, of, of whatever we're harvesting. So you're referring to moisture, like moisture changes to it or density changes within the crop. Right. Like moisture is a big one. I mean, that, that's the best example. Think of 
harvesting 30% corn and think of how high that corn stacks up in the, in the grain tank. It's going to be a very tall, very steep pile. Right. But then contrast that to 15% corn that, that flows a lot easier and it's not going to be as steep as a pile. Um, so, you know, we all know usually at the beginning of the season, at least here in the, in the Midwest, we're harvesting higher moisture corn and then it dries down as we go throughout the season. So we needed to be able to handle that wide range of moisture. And, and that's what the grain property bucket uh, can do for us. It, it can detect those changes in grain properties and, and we can adjust and stay accurate, uh, you know, on the fly. So that stack, that angle that he's talking about, how steep of a peak uh, you can you can pour your grain and how, how tall of a pile you get the the side angle on that i know will share this with me at one point that side angle that's the angle of repose that's basically the, the mm-hmm. angle at which anything that you pour up will will rest. hold hot yeah rest that's great um and that's what the bucket is doing is it's separating part of the grain and then allowing a secondary pulse across our flow sensor that's determined by that angle of repose. So if I've got a really small, dry, round grain versus a big oblong, wet grain, I'll get a different volume, which will mean I'll get a different impact on that sensor. And that's a really neat trick to, to tag on to the chain and help add an informative a calibrating pulse every time we go around with that chain. Yep, no, that's exactly right. So that property bucket is almost essentially making two throws of grain against the flow sensor. One yep. with the initial paddle and then the actual bucket itself that's attached to that paddle. Correct. Cool. Yeah, so yeah. there's, uh, I mean, the grain property bucket paddle itself is shaped very much like a standard paddle. So exactly right, Tyler. We get, we get a, a first uh, pulse off the paddle, but then we look for this very, very small secondary pulse that comes out of the side of the bucket. Uh, as it's being thrown around the top of the elevator sprocket, we get a little bit of the grain out of that, out of that bucket, and as that hits our sensing pad, the the size of that secondary pulse is is how we can tell is this easy flowing grain or is this very sluggish grain, and so moisture is a big impact on that. Um, Paul, you hit it. I mean, size and shape of the kernels another one. Test weight, um, it, it, all of those affect how that grain flows through the through the elevator and the property bucket is a great example like we didn't come into this thinking we were adding a whole new chain or creating a chain this was that was a learning process right yeah it was i mean going back to initially trying to use strain gauges we pivoted to uh, an impact sensor and initially we didn't want to have our own chain and paddle assembly either Um, we were going to use the oem chain and uh i mean we, we we started doing um you know flow runs and accuracy with one one combine and realized you know we're on to something we have very good results and once we started to install on multiple combines we started to see all this variation again and why was that it was because every every uh elevator chain uses recycled tires for their paddle and they all have a unique shape and that shape changes over time as it is it wears as that as it wears out that rubber is going to become more flexible um and and so yeah, we didn't we didn't even want to have our own chain and paddle assembly, but we found out that we needed it. We needed to go there, uh, and then and then yeah, um, eventually we got to the point where we we realized we needed a grand property bucket as well to to really stay accurate across that wide range of of grain properties for the entire year. So we're using the the 
crop property bucket to fine tune it. Um, we also talk a fair bit about a crud brush. Um, this is just one more thing that's more in, in the unique components of our system compared to others. Just give us a quick exp explanation of what the crud brush is for. Yeah, so I guess you could say there's there's no such thing as a free lunch. I mean, we <laughs> we we put our flow sensor at the top of the the elevator head um, so that we could get a much better signal. The downside to that is um, you can get you're a lot more susceptible to um, to build up within the elevator, and um, so I don't know many of you have may maybe experienced this, but if you get into um, wet beans or um, uh, maybe you're trying to harvest beans that are very low to the ground pods that are very low to the ground you may bring in you know some dirt into the combine as well so if conditions are right you can you can build up quite a m large amount of debris in the elevator itself and and we, um, we we eventually started calling that crud and that crud can build up just everywhere. It starts to build up in the in the corners of the elevator, but it quickly expands. And uh, and one thing that we saw in the development is that crud would would really stick to our flow sensor. Um, so our our flow sensor, because of where it's placed, gets a lot of grain flow. Like we said, we needed to use a very hard material for that. Uh, and so that that material is something called HVOF. And so it's it's a process that uses uh, tungsten carbide, and uh, it is thrown at a very high velocity. So um, I don't know Mach Mach two or Mach three speeds, at and uh, using basically a, a flame, and so we're we're throwing it very fast and at very high heat, and then it adheres to our casting. Okay. And so now cool. it's it's. I a, didn't even know that about the flow sensor. <laughs> That's really cool. So we, it, it's a mechanical bonded surface that is it's much tougher than like a coating like a chrome coating on a hydraulic cylinder rod is really hard but it doesn't always adhere peels, very well that peels off sometimes. sometimes you see it pitting or but hvof the the big uh, advantage of it is it, it is a mechanical bond to the surface um, and so that hvof is very rough and so again that was bad so for crud buildup right uh, crud buildup could stick to it and and so Again, another another challenge that we needed to overcome, um, and so we started looking at well, how can we prevent this crud from from building up, or can we remove it? Um, and that led us into uh, um, trying a whole bunch of different devices to try to wipe the flow sensor clean. Um, and and yeah, we eventually landed on on what we call a crud brush. But again, it's one one per elevator chain, and it. Uh, it is in contact with the flow sensor to try to try to keep it clean. clean. Yep. And since then, we've also come out. We have made improvements to that flow sensor as well. Correct. Right. So the the crud brush um, was a huge step forward, but but even with that, we still had instances where uh, we were still seeing some buildup on the flow sensor itself. So one thing that you can do with uh, um, with the flow sensor and with tungsten. Uh, carbide with HVOF, I should say, you can actually polish it. And so you can polish it to a mirror finish. Um, and we didn't go quite that far, but we polished it enough that it's a very smooth surface. And uh, a very smooth surface then um, is not going to be able to, uh, the crud is not going to be able to adhere to it near as well. So we still needed the crud brush, the crud, the polished HVOF sensor that we sell now and have now 
um, that enables the crud brush to work much more efficiently, if that so, makes sense. So when was the last major addition in on that, on that process? Um, the last thing that we added was the polished flow sensor, and that probably was in uh, 2016 time frame, something 2016, like that. I think in 2016, maybe 2017, but I think it was 20, yeah, 2016. Like that. So that's one of the things I love about working here with, with Will and his team is, is and all the engineers, engineers on the R&D side is this is a project that started in 2010, yeah. and we commercially launched it, you said, in 2013. 2013. And for the next three to, and I know we're still tweaking it and improving it years on as we get more input, as we get more learning, mm -hmm. it, it's a never ending learning process. And then we roll those processes in. Right. Yep. No, for sure. Okay. I'm, I think we, I, li I like where we're going. Um, I like to move on a little bit to, we talked about one of the goals that we wanted with our system. We talked about how the system works and kind of what it takes to make it work. We talked about calibration loads as one of the biggies. We want to make it easy to do calibrations. What's kind of the calibration load process, or what's the process to calibrate yield sense um, to get it to get it into accuracy? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the huge problems was calibration with with aggregator monitors, right? Um, having to stop and do multiple flow runs at multiple different speeds. It took a long period of time. So when we uh, started developing our calibration process, we knew that it needed to be simpler. It needed to be faster, and we wanted it to be something that could be done during normal operation um, at, at normal harvesting speeds, speeds, I mean. And so um, our, our process, it, it's called a crop uh, setup process, and it's once per crop per season. So um, you harvest 25,000 pounds or more, um, and you take that grain uh, across the certified scale and, and then you enter that weight uh, into our, our monitor. And then that retroactively calibrates um, that crop for the entire year. So let's say um, for the first two fields you do for the year, you're taking them to your grain bins and you don't have a good scale that you can calibrate. It's not until that third field that you're going to take that grain to town and you're going to actually get weights. So you can wait to do that crop setup process until the third field, and then it will retroactively go back and adjust yield for the for the first and second second field. That that's actually I really like that about going back the retroactive aspect of yield sense because there's a lot of times that um, you I've grown up on a farm and we've ran deer we've ran ag leader yield monitors before and you run them and you adjust it and you're now all of a sudden you might be at midfield when you make a, a calibration and now you've got two different crop curves for that field. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so along that same line, as I'm sure growers, dealers, everybody sitting here is aware of, the system has to somehow kind of account for parts wearing down as the season goes along, right? So um, what can we do or what does our system do to kind of recalibrate or continue to regain its accuracy through the season? Yeah, so the first way that we really stay accurate is with the grain property bucket. So we're, we're trying to measure how those grain properties change throughout the year. So if we start at that 30% corn or even 25% corn, that's going to flow very differently than the 15%. And so the, the first step is that grain property bucket, measuring those grain properties and, and staying accurate um, across that, that right wide range of, of conditions. But 
but definitely, I mean, growers want the most accurate yield map that they can get. And, uh, you know, we recognize that. And, and that's why we also have a feature that's called a, a loads true up feature. And, and that's where a grower um, can do some spot checks in a field and, and they could, uh, can separate different loads. Um, and that could be for a, for a certain hybrid trial that they're doing or a certain grain cart load. But they can, they can separate their field into different loads, enter actual weights into the load list, and then hit a button that says loads true up, and then that will uh, essentially recalibrate them for that field. So each field has its own unique um, crop constant. And so for those first three fields, let's say you'd have a given crop constant, let's say 1.01, and then you do a loads true up in field four, you could change that crop constant to 1.02. Now a crop constant, would you liken that to, could I say that's like an error curve, if you will? It it is more like a multiplication factor that I would say. Okay. Um, So in a a multi-point, calibration like in an ag leader system you're generating that error curve that was another key thing that we didn't want guys to have to do so by we own the position of the flow sensor by doing all the shimming of the flow sensor and we own the the shape of the paddles and so we we very tightly control how the grain is is handled throughout the elevator with that then we're able to build that calibration curve into software and we do that by every combine make and model Um, so for every every model that we support i mean we've done all kinds of different moistures all types of different grain flow to generate that those error curves in software to make it simpler for the grower at harvest time so that's per crop as well per crop as well yep yep so rather than relying on the grower and, and forcing the grower to take that time we built all of that into software how much time are we talking about? Oh, lots of man years. <laughs> lots man, of man years. Man, man years. Yes, for sure. For sure. Wow. No. That's actually kind of cool. I was actually, so this fall, I was actually been helping my dad harvest. Um, my dad takes everything to the grain bin. It's on-site storage except for one field that goes across the scales. Mm. Um, and so actually just yesterday I was there helping him. And we harvested that one field that goes across the scales. And um, we don't have yield sense. We're running the deer monitor. I ran the system. I didn't do a load calibration on it, or I didn't do a, a cal load for it at all. But I, I got the field totals for it. Dad took it across the scales, and we were nine bushels an acre off, which nine bushels isn't the, the goal. But there's no way for me to even go back and adjust that. Right. And we also have a field total option as well, which I could have gone back in with yield sense. I could enter that total in, and then that would adjust it for that field. And also, the next field that I was going back to, I'd harvested half of that field already. We could go back and actually get that correct. Correct. I think it's important to call out here, your father in that combine did not have a yield sense system. We're small farmers here. We're small farmers. (laughs) It was just a point of clarification. Just making sure that... I I work hard every day, but my family's the hardest (laughs) sell sometimes. I know how that can go. Yeah, so there, there's multiple ways to, to generate that crop constant. So right. one of them is that crop setup process. The loads trip feature is another, and then, and then you touched on it as well, Hans, the, the combine total. So if you have the total weight for that field, the wet pounds for that, you, you can enter that into the load list. And then your, your overall um, 
you know, error for that entire field is going to be zero. You're going to be exactly right in terms of what pounds. Right. Yep. So this might be a silly question. Is there, from your perspective, how often would you encourage someone to do a loads true up or can you overdo it? Can you do too many loads true up? Yeah. So it's a good question. So, um, let me start by saying a loads true up. We, we like those loads to be at least 10,000 pounds in size. So our crop setup process is 25,000 pounds. When you do a loads true up, we want at least three loads that are 10,000 pounds or greater or one load that's greater than 25,000 pounds. And, and we do that because we want a good average representation of, of, the, of the crop, right? Um, so can you do a loads true up too often? I mean, it, it's kind of a – it's tough for me to answer that. I, I, you can say yes if, if a guy is doing very small loads and he's work, you know – he's seeing his crop constant change by a fraction of a percent every time. Then he's just kind of chasing his tail. He's worrying about it too much. Um, on average, I would say you, you can do a loads true up, you know, two to three times in a field. If you're, if you're really trying to look at it, that's going to be plenty good. Um, but, but I know some guys, they like to, to take a, an actual weight for every single load. And, and they may have 20 loads in a field before they do a load strip. That's acceptable. The, the system, we really handle it uh, no matter how the grower wants to operate. I mean, we, he can do a load strip halfway through the field, and then he does a load strip at the end. Um, and, and it's that final load strip that calculates that new active crop constant and then applies it to the entire field, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And is the goal for the minimum of a 10,000 pound load just, that's generally the size that we, it's a large enough sample size that we start to feel accurate or we're, we're feeling pretty accurate at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the dynamics of a, of an elevator are interesting. Um, you know, think, think about when we're looking at population on a planter, we drop a seed and, and less than half a second, we, we measure that seed pulse with a seed sensor uh it's it can be 15 16 18 seconds from the time when we cut that corn plant at the head to when that goes across the the uh the flow sensor the the combine is really a big accumulator we have to fill up the combine with all this grain and get it full before the system for the cross augers bringing that grain to the clean grain elevator and then the paddles bring it up um you know, the, the elevator and cross the flow sensor and then actually enter the grain tank. So there's, there's a pretty big, uh, lag time there and that we actually have a feature in yield sense called machine lag for that reason. Um, and, and that's a, that's a setting that can be de defined, um, you know, per combine, uh, and larger combines are going to have to have a, a longer, uh, machine lag, um, smaller combines can get away with a shorter one, and and higher flow crops will have a shorter one as well. Um, but yeah, the the dynamics are are pretty interesting, and so uh, there is that kind of rise time, if you will, um, for when there's a small amount of grain flow, and that it's building up to kind of a fully developed flow. And so part of the reason to get to that ten thousand pounds is to make sure that we are we have a large enough you know, time that we're in that kind of nominal flow, if you will, and don't have too much of that, that rise and fall 
of grain fall through the elevator. Make sure that we're more during the past and not not eating up or trying to calibrate off of going into or out of a headland or around a waterway. Correct. Yep, that's right. Yep. That also points a little bit towards something that Yieldsense really brought up was the spatial accuracy where we started to see much better definition out of the yield maps. I remember, mm-hmm. um, I think Hans was showing me uh, a, a customer he worked with, and they had both systems in the combine operating, and we pulled data off of both. And while they were very accurate total bushels, the pictures that it painted were drastically different. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's another huge advantage of the position of our flow sensor and us having a, a chain and paddle assembly that we control the shape and we can control the grain flow across the the flow sensor we we have a much more responsive system and and we're much quicker uh, to respond to to those changes so that we can get a higher resolution map and know uh, and 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 better define those management zones if you will Um, and i think all of that then that gives a farmer confidence that now they have an accurate yield map and they, um, it's worth their time and effort then to export that data and try to do something with it after the season, right? Now, now they have something that they can use to define management zones, to compare different yield trials, uh, and, and make sure that they are, um, you know, that they have true data that they can believe. Which actually goes back to our podcast title. We're using yield sense data to be smarter every season with it. Yep. Um, so very cool. You played right into our podcast title. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so I, I like where we've been. We've, I like so far we've been good on, on what we're talking through. I want to get to one more thing um, as far as let's talk a little bit about um, fine-tuning it or some of the pitfalls that we see with this system. Um, not so much a system that we're running into, but we know every system has certain cases where something doesn't work right. What are some of our dealers? If we've got them where they, they understand how the system operates, we, got them, we, we understand – um, what's unique about YieldSense, what are the, the components that, that sets it apart and, and different, it's easier to use as far as calibration. What are some things for them to watch out for when they're getting the phone call that says, hey, I, I can't get this to, to dial in correctly? What are some of the things to look for? Sure. Yeah, really when, I mean, the end goal is we want to know the amount of bushels, right, that we're harvesting from the field. Um, and so, there's a lot of ways to screw that that number up, <laughs> um, and and so kind of the math behind that yield uh, calculation. I mean, number one is is we need to get good, accurate wet pounds, and so um, ensuring that you know the source that we're getting those actual weights from, we need to make sure it is 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 a good source. So grain carts. I mean, most of them have a scale system included on them now. Um, it's a good idea every year to make sure that that uh, grain cart is giving you consistent and accurate results. And so we actually have a grain cart certification document that that dealers, growers can call in product support and ask for. And and there's actually uh, uh, a way that we recommend to test each grain cart. Um, and it, it's basically um, start with an empty grain cart, travel to a few different spots in the field and, you know, stop with the tractor pointing uphill, stop with the tractor pointing downhill, stop uh, very quickly, stop very slowly. We're, we're trying to see, we're trying to, you know, 
get into different conditions for the grain cart, and we want to see how close to zero do those scales read, and then repeat that with at least the grain cart half full. And, and so we're looking for pretty consistent results. And then you can, you know, compare those actual numbers from the grain cart to a certified scale to elevator as well, and then you can adjust the calibration of your grain cart. Um, so definitely, we, we number one, for accuracy, we got to make sure that the, the source we're using for wet pounds um, to calibrate our system is, is a good source. Uh, so that that's step one. Um, another huge part of, of that yield calculation is uh, is grain moisture. So making sure that uh, our moisture sensors are adjusted properly, um, and, and that's a that's another difficult one to get uh, because. You know, as we're taking loads in the grain elevator, they're they're doing a spot sample uh, of the truck or the of the semi, and um, we don't exactly know where that sample happened in in the field, right? For us to adjust, so um, you know, one one thing that I like to do um, at the end of a pass, you can you can empty the grain out of your moisture sensor, and you can take that sample to a to a handheld moisture sensor that you know and trust or take that into the elevator and see see what you know a, a good accurate um, calibrated moisture sensor says relative to your combine and then you'll be able to adjust that up by you know a point or two to to be in agreement so moisture is another another key factor as well um, shrink factor is a big one uh, especially you know really for corn but every elevator has a different shrink factor that they use and so trying to match that um that number to your your local grain elevator if you're trying to to really dial in the actual yield number and that is something you can change in the display as far as the shrink factor you can yep we have a default of 1.3 1.35 something like that um, but but the user can define that so check with your local elevator and you can you can use exactly what they're using and that's for making sure that we take the, the wet pounds and make the correct calculation to yield, which is dry bushels. But those first two points that you covered on the calibrating of the, of the or they're, they're not almost calibrating the moisture sensor or the, the grain cart. They're more referencing and having a known just information about those two mm-hmm. so we know how to interpret that information. Right. Yeah. I mean, any any sensor, uh, you, you really want to calibrate it to a known value, right, to, to make sure that it's providing good accurate results. And that's all we're doing. We're trying to compare that to a, to a known value um, and, and dial in uh, both our, our crop constant, but then the the, uh, the moisture sensor that's on the combine as well. Every, every agronomist that's listening in is saying, yeah, duh, it's called ground truthing. And that's right. They're, they're, that's what it is. They're, they're the known, they're the choir. Some of us need some more training. So I got a question for you, Will. Do you guys use yield sense on your farm? We do. Okay. And maybe we've already kind of alluded to some of these things, but how do you guys use the yield sense system to make agronomic decisions or farm improving decisions on Frank Farms? Yeah, I, I, I think the biggest thing for us is just is fine-tuning those management zones. So um, I think uh, I think it's pretty widely accepted now. The best way to start defining a management zone is, is soil type and elevation. Uh, but we all know soil type maps, depending on your region and how that was done, they, they can be 
you know, varying levels of accuracy. So th those are the starting points, but always using a, a, a good yield map to define those zones is, is a must. Um, I mean, things change over time, right? If fertility is different or maybe one area of the field um, has more disease pressure or something, it, it's important to, to use that, that yield map because it, it's your scorecard for the year, right? Um, so that, that's really how we use it is, is to better define those zones um, so that we can do variable rate, we can do um, zone-based uh, soil sampling as well. You got you got something else on your mind, Tyler. There, you're you're about to say something. <laughs> I do have something else on my mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna see how I did. Well, you can kind of grade me here as we um, look back over. I'll say the the last thirty to forty five minutes here of our conversation. Um, some takeaways: when we started out with a desire to have a yield monitor, we wanted something that was taking our very intuitive planting monitor and allowing a grower to use that in the combine. Right. Mm -hmm. And yep. we envisioned something that was very easy uh, with a single point calibration. Mm -hmm. Right. And we also wanted the we had the desire to allow growers to take their data out on the out of the cab and make that mobile. Right. With yep. them. Right. Yep. OK. Um, we also got into a conversation around what makes our system unique. Right. And some of the takeaways I have here are we wanted to have um, a consistent grain throw. That was the reason why we mm -hmm. developed our own chain. Yep. And we also wanted the flow sensor to be at a spot um, compared to that chain where we could see a consistent or the entire grain throw every time that paddle, that paddle turned, right? Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and then we also kind of touched on how to stay accurate, right? And the big things that I wrote down were... Uh, we are accurate by maintaining and with, generally with the property bucket, mm -hmm. correct? Yep. Um, and then you can do a load strip. And one of the things that I took away that I don't know that I really knew before was um, we recommend if you do a load strip or even that calibration load, 10,000 pounds or more. Yeah, three loads of 10,000 pounds or greater or one load of 25,000 pounds or greater. Okay, and that's the initial calibration. That's really for a loads true up as well. Okay. So, um, I mean, we, we don't limit that. Uh, there is no lockout or, or minimum weight requirement for a loads true up. So um, a grower could, you know, do one load in a field at 5,000 pounds, hit loads true up and calculate a new crop constant. Um, but we feel like you're going to get a much more accurate representative sample if you have at least three loads that are 10,000 pounds or greater. So that would be a total of 30,000 pounds or at least one load that's 25,000 pounds or greater. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Yep. And then to also when you're done with a field to utilize the combine totals. Yeah. If you can use it, that that's going to be the, the best way, um, you know, to, to scale all of your data for that field and you will, your wet pounds will be uh, dead nuts on at that point. Okay. Yep. And, and just so we're all clear, the combine totals is a feature within the YieldSense software that you actually put in the actual pounds from a certified scale or an elevator that. Correct. Okay. Yep. But, but be careful on that one. Cause you have to, it's only for that combine. So if you're harvesting, if you got two or three combines in the same field, that, that feature becomes a little bit more difficult for, for you to use because you'd have to separate the weights from, from all of those combines. But if you're a single combine operator, it's a, it's a pretty awesome feature. Go into the load list, 
um, go down to the actual uh, the field total um, down at the bottom of the loads list and hit the actual pounds and you'll be able to enter the the total pounds uh, for that field and then all your data will will scale uh, for that for that field and you'll you'll have zero percent error uh, essentially okay we also you were kind enough to talk a little bit about diagnostics with us in an effort to help somebody struggling dial in the yield sense system and make it accurate uh, you had recommended let's let's um, take a look at the uh, uh, moisture values and make mm-hmm. sure our moisture sensor is accurate, right? That's a big factor yep. in calculate in calculating yield, uh, and then also to make sure that we're going to a certified scale or grain cart that we know is accurate when we're when we're comparing what the yield sense system is measured versus, yep. um, yeah, those those known values or or a certified scale. Yeah, so product support has a, a pretty good flow chart if, if there's concerns of accuracy on what to go through. And step one of that is understanding, do we have an inaccuracy in the wet pounds or is it in yield? And so if it's, if it's wet pounds, then we're going to start to look at something like, is the flow sensor shimmed correctly? So go, go back through, check installation of the system, uh, check for diagnostic codes, is, is, was the grain property bucket damaged? some instance and we have an event code to catch that as well um, but if it's a wet pounds problem that will drive us towards yeah double checking installation of hardware if it's a uh, yield problem then we'll go and start to look at things like moisture offsets uh, is the correct shrink factor being used things like acres number of acres um, being accrued to that can, that can start to affect accuracy there so yeah talk, talk to product support there's a pretty good flow chart that we can go through with you guys uh, and, and try to understand what might be going on there if there's an issue. Perfect. Awesome. I think when we all kind of sat down and envisioned how this podcast was going to go, we thought it would be in the 20 to 25 minute range. I distinctly remember and telling you it was 25 <laughs> minutes. We're at 50. The, the, the depth of conversation that Will provided um, allowed us to go quite a bit longer than that, but this was yeah. really good, really insightful conversation. And I'm, I'm glad you could join us today. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Will, for joining us. I appreciate it a lot. Um, to you guys, listeners, thanks so much for uh, for joining in and listening to us. Um, we'd encourage you to subscribe again. Um, Apple, Google, um, Spotify, or Stitcher are probably some of the common ones out there or wherever you find your podcast. We'd encourage you to subscribe. Um, again, I want to invite you to enjoy, interact with us. Um, smarter every season at precisionplanning.com is our email address. We'd love to hear from you guys. Send us an email if you have ideas or thoughts or just something you want to share with us. We'd love to hear from you. Looking forward to connecting with you again um, as we continue to go through and learn how to be smarter every season.